0: our uh, Uganda mission team to come up. To give you an idea of what we're laughing about, I asked Emma. She sent me a, an email with pictures from the week in Uganda, and she said she didn't. And Jordan said, it's too late now if you did. So, it's true. <clears throat> so this morning, before we look into God's word, I wanted us to take a moment uh, to, um, to just share a report with you, our church family, from what, uh, what was accomplished and what happened in Uganda, and just to share from our hearts about what the Lord has done uh, while we were there so for those of you visiting with us or weren't aware that we went to Uganda we took a mission team uh, to Uganda in uh, November 20th through December 2nd of this of this year and so we haven't been back very long just enough time for our schedules to adjust and reacclimate so we we've uh, we've had time to adjust and get back to this normal routine um, so first I, I want to begin by just asking a few questions so that you can kind of get an idea of what the mission trip uh, was like and was about for us. And so um, there are three questions that we're going to answer. And the first one is, in what way or ways did you sense God at work through you while in Busimbatia? And so we're, we're all going to share. Um, I'll just hand the mic to Jordan. Okay.
1: What was the question again?
0: Okay. In what way or ways did you sense God at work through you while in Busambathia?
1: God's been working through me and listening to him and listening to things he's telling me to do, even if I don't want to do them or I think they're crazy. I still have been trying to do everything that I think he's telling me to do. And he was definitely working on me with that while I was there.
0: Okay, thanks.
1: Um, I think while I was there, God just showed
2: me just the hope that um, I have in Him that He's going to use me um, and just use me through His work, um, even when I have really hard semesters like I had this past semester. God still used me in Uganda, and He's still using me um, just throughout my life.
3: First of all, I'd like to thank all of y'all for praying for us while we were gone because God took care of us from the time we left until the time we came home, and I know y'all's prayers had a lot to do with that. And um, the world is broken and we'll never solve all the problems is what I've learned. And I can't help all the people in Busambathia only, and God doesn't expect me to, but there are ways he can use me. And he used me to teach the ladies conference. He used me because I'm not qualified to teach the ladies conference and he had to do it through me. He, um, It was just an amazing experience to be studying God's Word, where I was with the people that I was with, the ladies. Some of them are Christians, and some of them are not Christians. Um, He used me to pray with the ladies. He used us to go to the clinic and pray for the ladies that were in labor, the mothers of the babies who were in the clinic who had malaria. He used me to pray with um, Winnie, one of the members of Faith Baptist Church, who's 17, and um, she has a baby, and her mother is dead, and her father is dying, and um, he used me and all of us to show his love, and I want to read the scripture, First um, John 4, 7 through 12. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. "'Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. "'And this love of God was made manifest among us, "'that God sent his only Son into the world "'so that we might live through him. "'And this is love, not that we have loved God, "'but he loved us and sent his Son "'to be the propitiation for our sins.'" Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. So God used me to love the people of Busambatia.
0: You can hang on to it okay. for a minute. I'll go. I'll <coughs> <coughs> um, so it struck me while they were sharing that I didn't really contextualize what we did while we were in Uganda. So let me share just briefly uh, during our time in Uganda, we, uh, we did what we have done in the past at a, a new church. We went to Faith, Faith uh, Baptist Church of busimbatia This is our second time to go and work at Faith Baptist Church in Busimbatia and to work with Pastor Ronald. In a moment, at the end of our presentation, you'll be able to hear Pastor Ronald uh, share a word of thanks to Crosspoint um, for the, just the work that Crosspoint and Grace congregations are doing There in Uganda, the main work that we did while we were uh, in Uganda is uh, pastor conference, uh, a VBS ministry, which they call a children's conference and then a women's conference. Uh, Aside from that, we were able to go into uh, the prison and then also the hospital or the local clinic in Busambatia and lead the congregation to go or lead Pastor Ronald uh, and lead them to go and to do work in the hospital and the prison there locally, because that's where uh, people are often forgotten. And Jesus commands us in Scripture to go to the prisons and go to, the house, those, who, go to those who are sick uh, and to, to feed them, to clothe them. And so these are these are areas that we try to help a local congregation go and uh, be involved in, in their local community. And so uh, with the conferences we did in the prison and the hospital ministry, um, those were the normal things that we have done in the past. But then also, we were able to go into the village, uh, and as Michelle shared about Winnie, we were able to go and to pray with some of the families, her family particularly, that's in the village, and those who are ill, who are sick, who are, uh, who are even who are dying. And so we were able to go and be a blessing and pray with their families as well. So the second question I want us to answer this morning is, what did God teach you through this trip? What did God teach you through this trip?
3: God taught me that I need to keep seeking him when he gives me a desire to do something for him. I had been praying about returning to Uganda since my last trip last year, and um, I didn't have the funds to be able to go, and God provided the funds. And then I started a new job on June 9th, and I needed to ask off for seven work days Thanksgiving you know the new person take off during Thanksgiving and so I thought well you know they're not going to let me off and so I asked off and they were allowed me to take off so um, he made that happen and he and I asked him what he wanted me to teach the ladies and he provided those things I wanted to do crafts with the ladies and he provided the ideas and the funds for that every this st- every step of the way I kept praying and asking him and he and but I continued to do things. I continued to to move and and, and try to do things. Um, I could have just prayed and thought, you know, I want to go to Uganda, but I'm not going to ask off because they might not let me, or, or I don't have the money. You know, I, I just continued, and then I kept seeking him and what he wanted me to teach the ladies, and he kept, you know, giving me things to teach them. Um, by doing this, it brought me closer to him because I know that he wants me to continue to seek and ask him and to have to have action not just to sit around and pray and wait and think that things are going to happen his word produces action and one of those lessons was is in act 16 paul's second um journey and i talked the ladies we talked about this in the ladies conference and paul set out to go to asia and god said don't go to asia And then he had two other places to go that I can't pronounce their names. And he said, don't go there either. So then God revealed to him where he wanted to go. And Paul was immediate in doing what God said. But he kept seeking and going and and trying to do things. And that's what God taught me.
2: Um, God showed me and taught me how to live missionally for him. Um, We were able to do things like love on children and serve people at the clinic and at the prison and serve people that um, are normally looked down upon in society. And God just showed me, and by loving them, I'm loving Jesus. And it reminded me of um, the scripture in Matthew where... Jesus said, you served me when you visited me in the prison, when you visited me um, in the clinics and took care of me when I was sick and when I was hungry. And we did that um, while we were in Uganda. And it was just so cool to be able to see how God used me through that and that he used all of us and we were just able to serve him by serving um, his people in Uganda.
1: Um, God has taught me that he's going to provide no matter what. Um, I mean, I sponsor a little boy there and Every time he needs something, God has provided um, me a way or provided someone to give me the money to help pay for his schooling, his house. His. He needed a bed, and that was paid for, mattresses, um, everything. So he will provide where it's needed and um, at his time.
0: You know, during this trip, uh, the Lord also taught me um, as as we were pouring ourselves out and Service. They, they were long days, and I was concerned for the group, uh, for one. But uh, they were just—they were intense days. The heat was uh, was intense, and just when you're pouring yourself out both physically and emotionally, uh, you can uh, you can be worn out very quickly. And we experienced I, I, the whole team. I watched how God just sustained our our whole team uh, by strengthening strengthening us. We would eat breakfast at. Um, at seven o'clock and then it wouldn't be often until three or three thirty that we would have lunch and that that may not sound like that big of a deal but uh given the circumstances of being in a foreign culture um just every everywhere you turn around you're you're investing you're pouring yourself out it's, it's huge and so we really sensed the the leadership of the holy spirit uh and and sensed his presence as we were uh as we were pouring ourselves out for the sake of serving the Lord um, and ministering among his people. Uh, the l- last question I want our group to comment on, and uh, is, and then we'll show a, a couple of slides, it's that, uh, number three, what would you like to say to those in our congregation who might be thinking about going on the next trip?
1: If you feel like God is calling you, I would say to go. Um Every year, I don't know how I'm going to be able to go, but I've gone for the past five years, and God has provided me a way. Um, it, you feel like it's an amazing experience, and it's going to change your life, and um, if you can go, I would say to go.
2: Um, my my experience going on this trip is because of um, people sharing their testimony five years ago. um when the first group went to Uganda, they came back and shared their testimony of the trip, and I was sitting in the congregation, and that's when I felt God calling me to go the next year, and I was able to go in 2010 for the first time, and it was an amazing experience, and I was able to experience that because of obeying God um, and his call on my life to go, and so I would just encourage everyone to go, um, especially if you feel led,
3: and that God's calling you to go.
2: It's a great experience.
3: Some people say, why should we go to Busambatia? Why should we go on mission trips? We could just send money and, you know, us not go. But sending money is not what we need to do. Like how I read the scripture, we're, we're to love them. And they need to see our face, and they need us to be examples. They need Nick and Byron to, to talk to them. and." Um, we are to, to make disciples of all nations. We can only w- go where God tells us to go, and he has given us Busambatia. I don't know if you know, all know know the story of how we go to Busambatia, but it, God provided Uganda through um, Byron years ago, and it's it's definite that God is, has, wants us to go. He's given us Busambatia. No one else is going there. Byron told me to Google it and see if there was any other... Facilities. Go, no one else. No other church. No other anybody is going to Usambathia. Um God is using us to teach the pastors, the ladies, and the children about Him. He's using us to show His love to to the Muslims and the and the market where we went to buy. Um, sugar and the other things we bought, we, we specifically go to the Muslims. That's what Pastor Ronald wants us to do, to be an example. So we're showing love to them. We're showing love to the prisoners in the prison, um, the patients in the clinic, and this makes a huge impact on Faith Baptist Church. The whole town knew we were there and what we were doing, and it is very important that we go back in a year. We, we don't want to wait any longer than a year because they need us. They need our examples. They need us to to be with them and guide them. They need Nick and Byron to to help Pastor Ronald. The women and children need us to teach and to love and to pray with them. And I'm asking all of you to pray and to see if God wants you to join him on his next whatever he's going to do in Busambathia. Ask him to open the doors for you if that's what he wants you to do. And he will. He'll open the doors and he will he will guide you and direct you. And please tell me, because I can be praying for you, because I, I want you all to go. I know we all can't go, but I think it should be more than just four of us, more, more than just four people from Cross Point going. So please pray, and, and I will pray too.
0: Okay, if we can, let's, uh, David, let's go through the slides, and we'll make a quick comment about each one. Uh, we only have about uh, 10 or so slides
1: um this is a little boy from our conference I love this picture he um, we did a lesson on God creating you and they had to color pictures of what they think they look like and apparently he's green and <laughs> I just love that picture um, these are the sponsor kids in Bugiri that my little boy on the right Shafiq and then Esther. Um, every month through Pastor George, I send money through Western Union for Shafiq to go to school, to go to the doctor, anything he needs. And um, my friend and her mom sponsor the girls in the middle, um, Janet and Esther. And then a guy, I don't even know him, but he somehow sponsors this little boy, um, Michael. And they're, all of them don't have parents. The girls and the boy on the left live with um, mentors through Pastor George has said. They're probably my age, and they live with these kids and guide them and um, show them how to live every day on their own.
3: These are pictures. um, Jordan sponsors Shafiq, and Pastor George told Jordan in the summer that Shafiq's um, grandmother, this is Shafiq's grandmother, who raises Shafiq and his four brothers and sisters, Um, Their parents died, both of AIDS, and that their house was in bad shape and it needed to be remodeled. So Jordan did a GoFundMe on Facebook and raised money and sent it to Pastor George, and Pastor George had her house completely remodeled. It had a, a dirt floor and it was not stable, and now it's got a concrete floor and the walls are concrete and it's got a tin roof. And Jordan, um, when we were in Busambatia, she went to the market and bought cups and plates and pots for um, his grandmother as like a housewarming gift, which I thought was so sweet. I'm so proud of my daughter. And um, brought it. And Pastor Jackson told us later, he said, did someone tell you that she didn't have any plates and cups and she borrowed them from the church? So God worked through Jordan by provide, and other people who gave to the GoFundMe to provide for this lady. And the the present that um, Shafiq and the grandmother gave Jordan was a goat and a chicken, which is, is very important. And, and Jordan is afraid of goats and chickens. And so uh, <laughs> uh, Shafiq brought the not, goat not in, you know, holding one paw and handed it to Jordan. And she didn't want to touch it. And she kept telling him, sorry, sorry, because you know he was going to be killed. And then the chicken. And she didn't want to hold the chicken. And Byron said, Jordan, hold the chicken and hold the goat. So because it was very important to them that they they did that. I wish I wish we could all teleport into this little room because Mm -hmm. it was just an amazing, amazing experience. This few minutes we spent in this home that God provided through Jordan to fix up and to make it a home where it was safe for this lady and her children to live in. And this was on the si- on the front of the house. This is what they had put on the front of the house when we drove up. So Jordan and I both were in tears before we even got out of the car. And that's the house. Okay, um, the, the picture on the top left is my ladies' conference. That's the church. That's where they have church every Sunday. Um, the ladies got to stay in the church, and the men were outside in a tented area for their pastor's conference and. So that's where the lady and I were, and at, at this point, we were doing a craft. We we would do, we'd start off with the Bible teaching, and then we, we'd do a craft, and they really enjoyed that. And the picture on the right is a picture of the clinic, and the lady, um, that's the side where the peop- women are in labor go. And that's what you get. You get a wooden bed with a mattress that's about that thick, and it's dirty, and there's cobwebs, and it's just deplorable and there was a lady in the room we could hear her. she was in labor giving birth we, we never heard the baby cry and in the bottom corner t- picture is um joyce's mom the lady in the blue that you can barely see we um pastor ronald asked us to go pray f- with her and um we went this is her home that that b- wooden mud is that what it is nick mud mm-hmm. house with the thatched roof that's what she lives in and they had the mats for all of us to sit down on and, um, we were we're going to pray with her and Byron asked us, you know, what, what, what it was. And she pulled up her shirt and she has a huge, huge tumor in her stomach. And she went to the clinic, that clinic, and they told her just to go home and die. So we, we prayed, all of us prayed for her. And, um, Byron's talked about this being like um, when we this was in the village far away from the main road where we were and we got out and went here first and then we walked to Winnie's house to pray for Winnie's dad, who they say his intestines are rotting and that he's dying and um as we were going people were just coming out of nowhere coming to to walk with us and to see you know the people that were there and byron said it was like how jesus when he was going from town to town healing people and people were just coming you know from nowhere it was it was that that day was a a very amazing day and that that's um winnie's dad sitting down there on the on the ground and he's the one that it's dying he um they say that his intestines are rotting, which I don't know how, because I don't know how they do any invasive tests in the clinic. But um, she was very, very sad. Her, she, we, we prayed, and she hugged me, and she just busted out crying. Her mom's dead, and now her dad is dying. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I'll talk about this. This is the prison. Um, we went to visit the prisoners, and um, we brought them sugar and rice and those mats and what else did we?
0: Are we, uh, yeah, that's it.
3: And um, then um, Byron gave a a, a talk to him about accepting Jesus as their Savior. And there was six, seven, six, six six that said they would accept Jesus as their Savior. And Pastor Ronald uh, uh, is going to go back and talk to them. So they took a picture. And if you can see, the prisoner standing next to Jordan has grabbed Jordan's hand and is holding Jordan's hand. And um, Byron has noticed that and lingers on, you know, so that, you know, it's, he's making it obvious, but... <laughs> And then this is just a picture of all of us that um, Joyce took, and uh, um, she, we asked her, she took my camera, and she was very excited to do. And I wanted to bring the other picture because the first picture she took, she cut all of our heads off, mm-hmm. and it was just our, our bodies. But um, I just thought that was a neat picture so you could see all of us together.
2: Um, So at the Children's Conference, we were able to um, share stories with them every day, and on the last day, um, I was able to bring this blanket with me. Um, At the seminary, there were this this couple um, who were missionaries, and they came and spoke to us, and um, I was able to go and talk with them just one-on-one, and um, they've come a couple times, and so I've built a relationship with them, and they had this blanket, and I thought it was the coolest thing. Um, I've never and I've seen them before. It's called a story blanket. And what it is, it's just a piece of fabric. And it has just pictures to go with Bible stories, um, just from creation to um, the resurrection. And it's just it's for East Africa, um, because they're oral learners. And so they gave it to me um, at the seminary. And so I was able to bring it with me and just share it with the children and just use it while I told them the story of Christ. And it was just so cool to be able to point out the pictures. Of Christ healing the sick and being born, and just just show them the pictures and just make a visual for them. It was really cool to use. Uh,
0: This was Sunday morning during the worship service. Uh, When we arrived there, um, we after meeting with Pastor Ronald for a few moments, we went in to attend their worship. Uh, And so you you can't see we're kind of sitting down taking that picture, but. You know, the room has got a lot of people in it, a lot of of children in it. Um, And so as many as can, you know, be held in that room. Uh, And then that morning we did a parent-child dedication service. They had, he said, 30 children, but then there were about 42 that were there that they wanted to commit to Christ uh, or dedicate to to the Lord. And so there were many women, uh, many children, a few men uh, who were there. And then this is a picture after the service. Um, I, th- I think I'm praying there, but after the service, I, I certainly wasn't preaching. We went out to, um, to the edge of the property. And this is the story of where uh, Crosspoint has given money um, and uh, has, has sought to bless the ministry of Busambathia and to keep the Muslims... Uh, the Mus- a Muslim mosque from being built on the property right next door to the church, and so there are two plots of land that were purchased. And so, what you don't see is right after the service, the entire congregation uh, danced out around the church to this place um, on the on the property. And then this was the tent that we met under for the pastors' conference. Uh, there are a lot of the children. Uh, In there right now, this is before the conference actually began. But just to give you an idea of where we met during the pastor's conference. And then this is kind of a panoramic view. It's a little awkward, but uh, this gives you kind of a panoramic view of the uh, of the property. I believe that's it. Okay. Thank you guys for coming up here and sharing. And so, church, this is what God uh, is using uh, us to do. Uh, on the other side of the world, on the continent of Africa, um, in in Uganda. Was there something else you wanted to say? Um,
3: there, there wasn't a picture of the computer. Um, oh, it should have there been. Was a, um, someone yeah. at Crosspoint donated a, a computer to Pastor Ronald. And um, I just wanted whoever donated that to know that that is just very important. And he was so happy. Jordan had sent a picture of grace, and um, David Morrison knows grace, and grace was in the background, I, he was, you know, so happy when, when we presented the computer to Pastor Ronald, and that's going to help him so much, and then someone else in Crosspoint is paying for grace to go to seminary, so uh, whoever that is, I want to thank you, because he's so, so grateful and thankful for that too.
0: Thank you. There's so much that could be shared, so much more about Uganda. Uh, the work that God is using Crosspoint to, to do there, is a, uh, it's a tremendous work. And each of us who are, uh, who are contributing um, to the Crosspoint budget through our tithes and our offerings and through helping to fund scholarships, each of us are taking part in the work that is happening in busimbatia I want to say one last thing. Um, Jordan spoke about Bugeri and the family that was there at Bugeri that she is helping out. Bugeri is the first church that Cross Point began working with in Uganda. And the place that Bugeri is today, uh, or I'm sorry, the place that Bugeri was five years ago, the place they were in as far as their, um, their facilities, their congregational makeup, all of those things are very similar to where Busimbatia is today. And so to see the work and the progression that has happened in the life of a um, Bougueri Baptist Church, it's really tremendous to, to be able to kind of look back from, uh, from the big picture glance, from the panoramic view, and see how God has really brought that congregation along and how he's used Crosspoint's faithfulness over, over the last five years to pour in and to invest in that congregation. And, and I just want to say, this is, this is what... This is God's wisdom in making disciples of the nations. This is how God intends for us to be about making disciples. You know, a church goes, um, partners and links arms with another church that's there begins uh, investing in them, teaching them about, uh, about Scripture, teaching, investing in the pastors in those local areas, teaching the women, teaching the children, sharing the gospel, going to the marketplace, taking them to hospitals and prisons. And we begin doing all of that, and, and, and God begins getting glory through the church and through the work that's happening in the church as people are converted to Christ, and then more people come and join with the body there. And then we go to Busambathia, and then Bugeri says, you know what? We've seen the work that Crosspoint did in sending out a mission team to, to do a replant in Mid-City. We're going to do the same thing. And when you guys come back to Uganda, we're going to send a mission team to go with you to a new location. So now we're, we're kind of putting that Acts 1-8 model in place, right? Make disciples uh, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the remotest parts of the earth. And so it's amazing to see, it shouldn't be, but it is to see what, what God does as we just simply walk in obedience. How he carries out this wisdom that he's put in place for uh, for making disciples of the nations. This morning, our uh, our theme for the service is joy. And I'm going to share just a brief sermon from a passage in First Peter uh, on joy uh, from the text. First Peter, chapter one, verses three through nine. I'll blow this out. I don't want you getting distracted thinking the candle going to burn the wreath. <coughs> so I just want to share briefly from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. The title of the message, Joy Has Come, Eternal Joy Awaits. Uh, let us pray before we read the text. Father in the remaining moments that we have this morning um, our hearts have been uh, elated with the news of what you're doing in Uganda and how you choose to use your people to accomplish your work linking arms with brothers and sisters on another continent thank you Lord that we can see this big picture that you're global that you're bigger than just one congregation meeting in the city in Baton Rouge but in that global sense, you want to use your people as we are as we are yielded and willing and ready to go. And so we pray that you continue to create that desire within your people here. But we also, Lord, as we turn our hearts and minds to your word, we ask that you would give us insight, that you would stir our hearts to the joy that we are to experience and have in this life and and, and help us to be aware of it even now ...during this Advent season. And so, Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth... ...and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing... ...in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want to invite you to follow along as I read from verses 3-9... through ...in 1 Peter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ... ...who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found a result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him, and though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls." Last week, we saw the call of preparation during Advent season was a call to repentance and being ready for the coming of Christ. And, and this week, as we focus our attention in on joy, I, I think what we see ultimately is that joy is the byproduct of obedience in our lives, an obedient life lived for Christ and lived unto the glory of Christ. That yields joy in the life of a believer and so each year during Advent, we celebrate the joy of Christ's miraculous birth. And really, as we look forward to Christmas morning, we, we are looking forward to celebrating that day when, Christ, when we, we've identified that, that Christ was, we celebrate that Christ was born into this world. And so we look back and we celebrate Christ's grandly, uh, grand, lowly entrance into our humanity. But at the same time, we, we look forward. We look forward with great anticipation as we long to celebrate the fact and the reality that He will return. And that when He returns, there is an eternal joy that we will experience as we are brought into the heavenly abode of our Father. And so, as we continue walking through this Advent season, I want to challenge us particularly in two ways this morning. I want to challenge us to consider two reasons why joy chiefly belongs to Christians. Joy chiefly belongs to Christians. Peter says joy should be the chief marker in every believer's life. So, this morning, I want to point out two really big picture reasons for Christians to have joy. In everyday life, the first one is this we have joy because our eternal inheritance is secure in Christ. This is significant. We know, because of faith in Christ, that those who profess faith and believe in him, that we have an eternal inheritance that is imperishable, it's undefiled, it will not fade away. And it is reserved in heaven for, for you, for me, as we'll see in a moment. But before we look at that, I want to ask the question quickly. What is joy? What does it mean to have joy in your life? Is joy a happy experience? Is joy an emotional euphoria? No. That's not joy, that's happiness, that's excitement, but that's not joy. If we look in Scripture, we see that joy is a, it's given by the Holy, it's a fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness. So joy is something that's given to us by the Holy Spirit when we come into faith with Him, or come into faith in Christ. And so I want to submit to you that joy is this, joy is contentment, And satisfaction in the eternal reality of God's salvation in our lives. Joy is contentment and satisfaction in the eternal reality of God's salvation in our lives. What is God's salvation? What's his eternal plan of redemption? Well, his eternal plan of redemption is the incarnation, Christ's birth his crucifixion, that he died on the cross to save those who do not have, who are, who are in sin. He died to save us through the crucifixion. And then he was resurrected to eternal, he was resurrected to life. And because Christ was resurrected, we have hope that we too will be resurrected. In fact, he tells us that. And so Jesus, when he raised Lazarus, he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. And then he speaks throughout his earthly ministry that he is going to prepare a place for his disciples and he will come back and he will take us to be with him where he is. And so this is the hope, this is the joy that we have in Christ because we have an eternal inheritance that is secured in Christ. It's secure because of what Christ did in resurrecting from the grave. And so I want to say this, that while joy is contentment and satisfaction in Christ, it's not complacency in our Christian lives. And so I want to kind of make that distinction for us, that we don't think that we we don't equate contentment with complacency, which I, I think we might have a tendency to do sometimes today. So joy isn't found in complacent living. It's not determined by our emotions or by our circumstances, by the outward circumstances in our life. That's not what determines joy in the life of a believer. What determines joy in the life of a believer is that we are in relationship. We are in Christ. Joy is determined by our relationship with Christ. And so, if anything, our emotions and our circumstances, they press us into Christ in a greater way because we see our need for Christ's salvation in our lives and we confess our dependency upon Christ. And therefore, as we are walking in dependency upon Christ, our joy is increasing exponentially because we are being satisfied in Him. And as I said a moment ago, joy is the byproduct of obedient life with Christ. And so, first, I want us to see verse 3. God causes us to be born again to a living hope through Christ's resurrection. This is a living hope that he says in verse 3. Our living hope is Jesus Christ because he is not dead. He is alive. He is resurrected from the grave. And so when God causes us, verse 3... <clears throat> Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. This being born again, this is new life. It's regeneration. It's, it's what happens when a person comes to faith in Christ, right? There is a transformation that happens. It begins at that point of conversion, but then it continues throughout the entirety of our lives, But this living hope, it comes through and because of Christ's resurrection from the dead. Because Christ was raised from the dead, we too will be raised from the dead. And and he gives us spiritual life so that even though we were dead in trespasses and sins against God, by the resurrection of Christ and the transforming work of Christ, he redeems us and he Gives us new life when we come to faith in Him. And so here's the thing: God is doing a work in you and, and through you and me and through me, Philippians 2:12 and 13 says we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who's at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. You see, we have joy because our in- eternal inheritance is secure in Christ. We have an inheritance that is reserved in heaven. Verse 4. Look at verse 4. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Look at how the inheritance is characterized. It's imperishable. It's undefiled. It's guaranteed. It's perfect. And it's eternally enduring. It will not pass away. This inheritance will not fade away. This is a big picture view of God's gracious work of saving us. He has given us life and he has provided a way for us to eternally be in his presence. and To experience this perfect, guaranteed, eternally enduring inheritance. On top of this, he says it's guarded for you. It's protected. It's like being locked up in the vault. No one can touch it. It can't be removed. I remember our first wedding anniversary. Tara and I were going to eat at this restaurant in New Orleans called Cafe August. And it was a, it was a nice restaurant. The nicest I could afford at the time. Uh, but it was white tablecloth. We were able to eat a, a, a five-course meal. But before we, before we arrived, I had gone earlier and dropped off flowers uh, for them to put at the table. And so when we walked in, they said, Mr. Taylor, your table is ready. And I thought, huh, very nice. They remembered me. You know, but then I, I kind of thought they should have remembered me. In fact, I, I should have questioned if they didn't remember me. I was, I was a distinguished-looking guy back then. I had a shaved head and just a little patch of hair right here. And then I had this, uh, this long landing strip goatee that kind of made me look like a billy goat, some said. Nonetheless, they remembered me. <laughs> they remembered my name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's amazing that Tara stayed with me, right? <laughs> so they remembered my name, and they said, "Mr. Taylor, your table is is reserved for you." And they brought me to that table. And it was. It was great. It was an incredible evening. We, we had a great meal. We ate. We were, we were satisfied. But I, I think the, the idea here that, that we get from this text is that there is an inheritance that is protected. It's, it's reserved for you and I. It's got our name on it. There's this place that God has for us, for all of his children. And it's stored up in heaven for you. Listen, it's undefiled. It's not stained or soiled by this life of sin that we live in, by the wickedness and and the fallenness of creation that causes causes and wreaks so much havoc in our lives. This inheritance is reserved in heaven, and it's imperishable. And it won't fade away. And it's glorious. It won't pass away like we will from this earth, like fortune will from this life. This inheritance, it's a grand inheritance. It is, it is tremendous. It is great. It is reason for us to have joy in this life now because we know that this life is not the end. There is something so much better awaiting us. So we have joy that our inheritance is imperishable. It's undefiled. It, it won't fade away. It's enduring. Thirdly, we're, we're protected by the power of God through faith in Christ, another reason for us to celebrate and have joy. It is God's protective power in our life that keeps us and holds on to us for our salvation. Even in the times when we can't hold on to our own salvation, Christ, God, is holding on to us even in the times, think about it, believe, when you don't feel saved, right? That emotional aspect of of our lives when we are discouraged or distraught or beat down by trials. Even in those Moments, it is the hand of God gripping us and holding on to us. He protects our salvation. Verse 5 says this: who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. He who began a good work in you will continue to carry it out and bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. And so we can trust in this powerful hand of God at work in our lives and we can rejoice and have joy. Because God's hand is protecting us. He is holding on to us. He will not let us go. Believer, he won't let you go. No matter what you're walking through, he won't let you go. He'll hold you. His power will protect you. God is at work in us, protecting and keeping us. And for this reason, we, we ought to have joy in our lives, because we we know this. And joy is not about emotion, it's not about the feeling, it's about knowing and walking in relationship to Christ. The second reason I want us to see that we we as Christians are chiefly to have joy in, in this life. It's because of this. We have joy because we are being fit for eternal glory. Verses six through nine. Point this out, but let me assure you this morning that nothing escapes the eyes of our Heavenly Father. I think about Psalm 33, 18. It says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope for his loving kindness, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart rejoices in him because we trust in his holy name. I want you to know that the trials we experience through the crucible of life, they're refining and perfecting us. They refine us. They, they perfect us. Verses 6 and 7 show us this. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the truth, brothers and sisters, is is this, that as we walk through these trials of life, God is at work uh, refining us. He is doing a work of preparing us for His eternal glory. As we walk through trials in this life, God is doing this work in us and as we kind of step back and are able to look upon it we see that this in this even we have a reason to rejoice because God's hand has not left us he's not he's not left us alone as we walk through trials of this life instead god uses these trials to teach us to purify our lives and the trials are varied and they are many the trials might be the loss of a loved one Trials might be the waywardness of a child. It might be the loss of our job and the opportunity that's provided for us to have another one, right? It, it might be the struggling marriage. It, trials might be the magnification of your own personal faults and weaknesses. Whatever these trials are that, that are on display in our life, know, this, know that God is, is at work in you and desires to work in you so that you are able to grow you are able to be shaped and, and molded for God's glory. You are a work of art in the hands of the Father who is desiring to make you into this clay jar, or as First Peter as he says, desiring to make you into these living stones, shaping us and, and fitting us into the spiritual household of God. And you know what God uses to do that? Everything in our lives. But in the midst of this, He says we can rejoice. We can rejoice through this. Why? In verse 7, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, that it will result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Christ. The work that God is doing now in our lives through the trials that come, through the temptations that come, they are teaching us how to praise God day in and day out and ultimately preparing us for the eternal reality of being in god's presence forever i think the takeaway take here is that you know there are times and seasons in life where we will have to fight for joy you've experienced it trials beat you down and wear us down and there are times and seasons in life where we just have to fight for joy It's like the psalmist says in Psalm 42, three, my tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember and I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with the voice of joy and thanksgiving as a multitude keeping a festival. But now, but now the psalmist says I'm I'm discouraged My soul cries out within me. In verse 5, he says to himself, Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. Or Paul in Philippians 3, who wrote to the church in Philippi, wrote from a prison cell, said, Finally, then, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord, calling the church to rejoice and to have joy in the midst of suffering and trials, tribulation, Secondly, I want you to see that joy in the Christian life comes from love and commitment to Christ. That's verse eight. He says we haven't seen him, but we love him. Our love is defined in Scripture as obedience to Christ. And I think what what I said a moment ago was joy is the byproduct of obedience in our life. And he says, though we don't see him now, we believe in him. And this is talking about loving Christ and being committed to him in our daily lives. And this is where joy comes from in our lives as we walk in commitment and faithfulness to Christ. Look at what he says. This joy is it's it's inexpressible. It's full of glory. It's inexpressible because it it speaks about that which that which is happening internally and it defies all the outward circumstances of our life. The joy of knowing Christ and having relationship with Christ, of walking with Christ, defies every outward circumstance that can happen and, and that can, can, can come into our lives to create and wreak havoc in our lives, to cause trials or to, cr- to cause devastation. And so the joy that comes through Christ is a joy that's found in being yoked together with him. And the fact that the joy is filled with glory, it it means that we are even now anticipating that which will be when Christ returns and takes us to be with him in glory. The last point I want you to see in the text this morning from verse nine is this. The eternal joy that awaits us is the salvation of our souls. And this is a glorious truth. Verse nine, he says, obtaining as the outcome of your faith. The salvation of your souls. There are two reasons for us to have joy. There there are many more, but two reasons from this text that I wanted us to see this morning for us to have joy. And the first one is that our eternal inheritance is secure in Christ. And the second one is this, that we are being fit for eternal glory. And as we walk through trials and difficult circumstances in this life, they are refining us and perfecting us and, and shaping us so that as we walk through them, they are the proof of our faith as we hang on to our salvation and hold on to Christ in our lives. And then it becomes the, the, uh, the eternal joy in our life because Christ has saved us and he is at work in us and through us. And so I want to challenge us this morning, church, as we are in the Advent season, considering Christ, how he came the first time as the baby in the manger and how he will come the second time as the reigning prince of peace, as the the victor, as the the one who will take us to be with him in glory. I want to challenge us this morning to consider the reasons that we have for joy in this life. God has prepared a place for us. He has eternally secured our inheritance in him. And we have hope. Because of the resurrection of Christ. From the dead. And so Jesus has given us life. And it's for this. That we can have joy. This Advent season. I pray. That the Lord has given us all. A sense and an understanding. Of of what joy is in this life. And what it means to have joy. As we're yoked and united with Christ. And dependent upon him. And so I want to pray this morning and close us in prayer and, and maybe this morning the the joy that you have it, it will lead you to rejoice in the work that God is doing in the midst of the body at Cross Point in the midst of the, the church at Busimbatia or, or in the midst of your own personal life and let us reflect this morning on the joy that we have through Christ through his work In our lives and through the eternal inheritance that God has provided for us and protected for us. Let us pray. Father. We thank you for your goodness in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that we have an eternal inheritance secured in Christ. And Lord, that even in our lives, you protect us and you grip us and you hold on to us. And Lord, I I pray that you would. Teach us how to walk in the joy that you provide by your spirit. And teach us, Lord, no matter what the circumstances, how to reside in that joy and how to share that joy with others this Advent season. And so, Lord, we, we long for Christ's return. We long for the day that we will be eternally with you in your presence And now, Lord, we ask that you teach us how to live joyfully in this life now. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand this morning?